For almost a hundred years, in big cities with a hundred skyscrapers and tiny towns with one stoplight, on college campuses and Native American reservations, and churches too many to count, hundreds of thousands of men and women and boys and girls have made hundreds of thousands of life-changing decisions. Almost none of them knew her name. And yet, she was there. Annie Armstrong lived more than a hundred years ago. Only this one picture of her survives. History could have easily forgotten her. But Annie Armstrong is worth remembering. In the late 1800s, when most women had no voice, Annie was one of the first to speak up. First, for the urban poor in her hometown of Baltimore, and then for Southern Baptist missionaries around the world who desperately needed support. It was for these people that she helped start the National Women's Missionary Union. As its first executive leader, she gave women a platform in their local church and in ways that they'd never done before. These women help focus Southern Baptist attention on the hurting and the lost and the missionaries trying to reach them. Annie wrote letters, 18,000 in just one year. And she traveled across America, encouraging missionaries and inspiring churches to pray, to give, and to act. She worked long hours, paid her own expenses, and refused to accept a salary. And in the darkest days of the depression, right before she died, an offering was named after her. Today, the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering helps missionaries in the U.S. and Canada start new churches and meet needs through Compassion Ministries. Over the years, Southern Baptists have given more than $1 billion to that offering, and 100% of it, every penny, has gone straight to the mission field. There's still work left to do. The need is bigger than ever. And that's why, even though she lived more than a century ago, and even though only one picture of her survives, Annie Armstrong's influence lives on. Because today in North America, just as it's been from the beginning, anywhere a missionary is sent, every time a new church is born, anytime someone gives to her offering so that a lost person might be found, Annie is there. When I think about Annie Armstrong and all that, that she did, the question is why? why? Why did she devote her life? And why did she carry the gospel and share the gospel and, and do all that she did? And the answer to that question is because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And also because Jesus is worthy. Just like the choir sang just a few moments ago, everything I have, everything I give to you. And, you know, that's the greatest thing we can do. But don't hold anything back. You know, let's, let's, let's be all in and let's, let's see Jesus high and lifted up. And let's not hold back. Let's give everything to him. I pray this morning, that's my prayer for every one of us here this morning, is that we would give it all to him, everything. Whatever we're holding on to, whatever is keeping us from having victory in our, in our walk with the Lord, whatever it might be, 
let's realize that Jesus is worthy. The same Jesus that Annie Armstrong served and the same Jesus that she totally surrendered to and gave everything to so that today um, we, we are able to talk about what she did because of the gospel and lives that were changed. But even today, uh, lives can still be changed because God is still in the saving business, praise God. Isn't that good news this morning? I mean, all the bad and all the negative that, that's going on in this world, God loves us and God wants us to, to have a relationship with Him. He knows us by name, as we talked about in our Follow Jesus groups and this morning. I'm grateful for that. What a mighty God that we serve. And He truly is the way, the truth, and the life. And He's worthy. There's nothing in this world that can compare to that. And so I just want to brag on our church family this morning. We're about a third of the way there on reaching our goal for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And so I just encourage you to be in prayer uh, for our North American missionaries. Uh, again, there's a prayer guide out at the uh, vestibule, the, the table out there. You can pick one of those up if you haven't already. And I encourage you to do that. And let's, let's not only give, but let's be sure to pray. The greatest, most powerful thing we can do to support our North American missionaries is to pray for them. And, and then as God leads, um, I pray that we would uh, be faithful to give as well. And uh, thank you so much, those of you that have done that. And I pray that, you know, that we'll, uh, each of us, that we'll uh, participate and support our North American missionaries. Um, I, I do want to share with you that um, next Sunday uh, we'll observe the Lord's Supper. So um, just want to remind you about that. Here we're getting closer, ever closer to Easter. And, and uh, next Sunday we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper. And that is we're going to be remembering what Jesus did for us. And uh, we'll be participating and remembering the body and the blood of Jesus. So I just pray this. The reason I share that is I, I pray that we'll, that we'll focus this week, maybe more uh, than, than ever, uh, on what Jesus did for us. And let's be thankful for what Jesus did for us. The Lamb of God, He is worthy, and He takes away our sin. And I'm grateful for the victory and the hope that we have in Christ. So this week, I just encourage our church family, Let's be thankful for what Jesus did for us. I think of Romans uh, 5.8, but God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died in our place on that old rugged cross, and I'm grateful that he did. So I encourage us this week. I promise you, uh, your, your week uh, will be so much better when you remember each and every day what Jesus did for you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The Word of God, that is true. God loves you. And let's, let's be in prayer this week and just be more mindful this week about what Jesus did for us, especially as we uh, look to, uh, Lord willing, next Sunday observing uh, the Lord's Supper. Um, also, I want to uh, remind you um, about Friend Day. That's going to be in two weeks, April the 10th. Every one of us, I'm sure, has a friend that we can invite, and I pray that we'll do that. You know, that somebody comes to mind right now. I pray that God we put someone on our minds and on our hearts and that we will pray for them, that we'll reach out to them and invite them. Let's pack this place out on April the 10th and uh, let's, let's bring our friends here to church and, and let's invite them and, and, uh, and share with them um, You know that we'd love to have them here with us on, on April the 10th. So please remember that. And of course also um, on April the 10th in the evening service we'll start our uh, spring revival. So in just a moment as we have prayer time, we're going to pray for revival. God, send us revival. Revive our souls, O oh Lord. Refresh our hearts and help us to love Jesus more and more. And, and perhaps this week, as we are mindful about what Jesus did for us, that God would revive us and, 
and uh, that we'll fall in love with the Lord more and more as we think about his great love and what he did for us. But let's be in prayer for revival. Uh, Pastor Zach Shaw from Zones Avenue Baptist Church is going to be with us. They're going to move their service here with us on the 10th to start our revival. They're, we'll have a combined choir. There's going to be some great music and just a great spirit and, and a celebration and worship. So, uh, so let's remember that uh, coming up on the 10th. And of course, on the 9th is our kids' um, Easter egg hunt. It'll be our kids' Easter celebration. And I do want to remind you about that. And the young at heart are encouraged to uh, come and join us at lunch for a hot dog lunch. And we'll just celebrate together our risen Lord. And, and uh, again, you know, invite our kids. Uh, maybe some of you have uh, uh, friends that have kids. Invite them to come and be with us on April the 9th. And, and, uh, and perhaps maybe they'll come on the 10th as well. But uh, just want to remind you about that. That'll be coming up. And that's what we need to be doing. You know, we ought to be thinking about our friends and how we can reach out to them. And, and uh, one of the greatest things you can do is bring them to church with you. So let's do that. Let's be in prayer for, uh, for our friend day and also our, uh, our spring revival as well. Also, as we, uh, as we pray this morning, um, I ask that you would uh, just continue to pray for Aaron Whitmire. Uh, he had a heart calf uh, a few days ago, and, um, and I understand he's at home now and resting. I'm grateful for that, but thank you for your prayers and want to continue to pray for, uh, for Aaron. Also, uh, Susan Bolden had surgery last week, and, and so we want to pray for her. And, and, uh, and Jean Watson continue to pray for Jean uh, as well as, as uh, she's uh, doing some physical therapy and then recovering from the stroke that she recently had. We want to pray for her. And, of course, all our shut-ins. Let's remember them, especially this morning. And, and then Pastor Lewis and Nancy Edwards continue to pray for them. I'm grateful. The last few days I've been seeing some good news, and I know that that's an answer to prayer. Isn't it great when God's people rally together? And, uh, and pray together and that's what it's all about and I pray we'll do that for friend day because there's a real heaven to gain we have friends that you know let's take them to heaven with us and let's let's think about them and pray about them and reach out to them and and uh, let's as a church family let's unite together and uh, and just and pray for our friends and invite them to come on the tent and um, I want to invite those of you who would to come and, and join me around the altar this morning maybe you have a special request on your heart and uh, I, I encourage you to come uh, this is a time where we turn to the Lord in prayer because we need God. We ask for God's help, and uh, we turn to Him this morning in prayer. So I encourage you to come. Let's gather together, those who would, around the altar. And uh, Yes, thank you. Th thank you so much. Um, um, Dr. Allen, of course, who uh, was interim pastor here um, before uh, the church called me as pastor, uh, he went home to be with the Lord. Thank you, Doug, for reminding me about that. And... Um, Let's please remember Chris and, and, the, and the family. And um, I'm, I'm grateful to, to, just, to just imagine he and, and his sweet Marilyn uh, reunited again. But uh, they did a, they, he did a good work, his life, and, and especially here at, at Liberty First Baptist Church. Uh, he served faithfully here, and, and God used him. And, and he loved you, and you loved him, and, and we loved uh, he and Marilyn. And, uh, and so uh, please remember uh, the Allen family as we pray this morning. Uh, but let's gather around the altar this morning. I invite those who would to please come and join us as we pray this morning. Our gracious, loving, heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for this day that you've made. Lord, we are reminded that your mercies are renewed each morning. And oh, how we need your mercies, Lord. We're needy people. 
we're desperate, Lord. We need you. And I thank you, God, that you worked and you did it in such a way through your love and mercy and grace, God, that we have hope. God, we can turn to you and we can find victory and hope and joy and peace in our hearts, Lord, things that we can't find in this world. We're grateful for that today, dear Lord. And so we come to you right now. We turn to you. God, we're desperate. We need you. We ask God that you'll speak and guide us. Lead us, dear Lord, as we turn to you and submit to you because, God, you are worthy. Lord, I pray we wouldn't hold back everything that we are and everything that we have. Lord, I pray that we would give it to you today. And we know that when we do that, Lord, that, that it couldn't be in any better hands than your hands. We place our lives in your hands. And we ask, God, that you would guide us and help us, Lord. Because, Lord, we know that we can't turn to anybody else or anything in this world to find what we find in you. You alone satisfy, and I am so thankful for that, dear Lord. I thank you for the hope and the victory that we have through Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that Dr. Allen is experiencing that victory in, in the most real way. God, as his faith has turned aside, and we rejoice, Lord, today for that. And I pray that you'll be with Dr. Allen's family and just pray that you will comfort them. Thank you, Lord, for his life, and thank you for his ministry, and thank you, Lord, for his faithfulness even here at Liberty First Baptist Church. And we just thank you, Lord. And I pray that you would be with Aaron Whitmire, and we pray for Gene Watson as well. And, uh, Lord, we, we pray for uh, Susan Bolden, Lord, as she's recovering from surgery. We pray for our shut-ins this morning. Lord, those that's not able to be here today, those that are battling sickness, I pray that, God, you would touch them today. We pray for your mercy. God, I just pray that we'll sense your presence, Lord, in a very real way today. We pray for the sweet spirit of God, Lord, to take over this service today. Have your way and will. And I thank you that you're sovereign, that you're on the throne, and that, that you have all authority. God, may we be encouraged by that as we trust you and surrender everything to you today. We ask for your blessing on us again, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. May you be honored and glorified in your precious holy name. And I pray, Lord, that every person here today, Lord, will feel loved. God, we thank you for your love, and may we share that love with each other. May you be glorified again, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, I want to welcome you here this morning, those of you especially that are visiting. And, of course, we have in our bulletin a visitor's card. And so if you're visiting with us, I ask if you'd just please take a few moments and fill out that information. We'd be honored. Uh, to get to know you better and also if you have any prayer requests on the back side of these cards or a section for prayer requests and uh, even if you just list unspoken we will pray over these uh, cards and be honored to pray with you about whatever need uh, request that that you have this morning i'm so thankful for the power of prayer and, and then in just a moment when the offering plate is passed if you'll just drop that in the offering plate i'm so thankful that you're here today and uh, we welcome you and i pray that every person will experience the love of God this morning, that you'll be encouraged, that your heart will be touched, and that God would be glorified, that we'll have victory today as we surrender everything to Him, and as we worship Him, see Jesus high and lifted up. That's why we're here today, is to worship Him in spirit and in truth, and what a privilege that that is. And so one of the things I, I enjoy is when we encourage each other and fellowship together. So uh, let's stand together and uh, let's take advantage of this opportunity. Encourage someone, tell somebody Jesus is coming again.
you make your way back to your seats, we'll be singing hymn 132, There's Power in the Blood, followed by our offertory, 342, Rock of Ages.
Has God made himself real in your lives, in your heart? As of January the 11th, about 9.30 in the morning, on a Tuesday. Prior to that, I couldn't say that. But after that day, he made it real. Crazy things done in your name. I know the tricks behind the magic show. I've almost thrown the towel in a time or two and walked away from everything I know. I can't feel this emptiness inside of me Or calm the troubled waters of my mind So if you're really out there and you're listening Then prove to me that those who seek will find If you can just see fit to show me some of who you are If you can shed some light into this broken sinner's heart I need to know the truth and I need Something I can't feel I need you To make it real Must be some good reason why you brought me here Through valleys where the shadows hover close Down here there's a mask to cover every face But your sweet face I long to see the most So if you think there's just the slightest hope for me In spite of all my questions and my doubts And let me hear your still small voice speak out my name And let me know what others talk about If you can just see fit to show me some of who you are 
you can shed some light into this broken sinner's heart I need to know the truth and I need something I can feel I need you to make truth and I need something I can feel I need you to make it and dying world is asking is it real I, I need I need something that's real in this world is, is just filled with heartaches and disappointments and and it never satisfies it kind of leaves you empty and and longing for more the more and more you try and, and it just just never fills that void in your heart but Jesus is the real deal is he not that the same the same God that created the universe with just his spoken word the same God that with his hands took the the dust of the ground and breathed life in into man and created man in his own image the same God that's on the throne who has all authority the same God who calmed the storm by just his spoken word the elements have to obey because he's the great creator the same God that brought the dead back to life the same God that arose on the third day after he died on the cross and defeated death, hell, and the grave. That same God is the same God that will lead and guide you and me if we'll trust him. And I'm telling you, it doesn't get more real than that, than knowing the, the great creator. And I pray that the co-workers that you work with and the neighbors that you live beside and, and those out here in the community that, you know, that, we, in, that we encounter each and every day, I pray that they see that genuine, real faith that we have in the Lord and that they would be attracted to it because that's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be different, unlike the world, because we know the way, the truth, and the life. The same way that all people need to walk in, the same way that, uh, that they need Jesus. And so I pray you know, that they'll see that genuineness and, and that real faith that we have that God can use us for his glory. And you know, sometimes maybe we, we were bashful or shy about, about sharing our faith, but it's really just sharing the facts of what Jesus is doing in our life. As we walk with Jesus and as we talk with him, as we pray, as we read his word, as we get closer to him and as we grow and as we give things over to God and when we mess up, we, we come back to him and he's always there to receive us. And we just share that. We just share what God is doing in our hearts and lives and we just don't need to be quiet about it we just need to share it everybody else is speaking out and everybody else is is, is sharing things even things that's you know that that's, that's not even true or real but we have a real faith in a real God 
And uh, we don't need to be stuttering. We, we need to share. We need to proclaim it. I'm not talking about being, you know, uh, being arrogant uh, or condescending or anything like that, but just out of humility, you know, that God would love us and would do for us what we could never do for ourselves. That God would love us and think on us. That when we rebelled against Him, that He loved us and made a way for us and died for us. Isn't that good news this morning? I'm telling you, that ought to put a smile on our face and, and joy in our hearts as we think about all that God has done for us. And then as we're reminded this morning that Jesus is Lord. And that's what I want to preach to you about this morning. Luke chapter 6, we're going to be focusing on uh, the first 11 verses. And, and uh, from here on up to Easter, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, starting a series in Luke that's going to lead us up to uh, Easter Sunday, Celebration Sunday. And, and um, I'm just glad this morning that I can tell you that the same God that David sang about, the same God that the choir sang about, about giving everything to Him, the same God that we're preaching about this morning is Lord. He's supreme. He has all authority. That's who we believe and trust in this morning. And I pray that we'll be encouraged uh, this morning as we are reminded of the fact that Jesus is Lord. A man decided to paint his house a very bright color. Uh, when confronted by the homeowners association, he said, you know, I have the right to do whatever I want with what's mine. Well, he quickly found out that the covenants in his deed had, had, uh, had took away some of his rights. He, he didn't realize it, including changing the exterior color of his home and it's interesting how many times we might feel offended when we when our desires are taken away yet we fail to recognize that the desire of the one who reigns over everything I mean Jesus is Lord he's king of kings he's supreme he's mighty there's none like him he has no rival that's who I'm talking about this morning certainly the Lord Jesus Christ is not like some homeowners association because He's God, and His ways are not just good, but His ways are perfect. Also, Jesus died for us, so His ways should not be burdensome on us, as the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 5, 3. Listen to this. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. It's not, oh boy, i got to do this, and I, the Bible says i got to do that. No, it's not burdensome, it's a joy. I mean, God's way is perfect, and living for God and honoring God is the best thing that we can do. And there's satisfaction along the way. I mean real satisfaction. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. His way is the best way, and, and truly His way is the only way. Now here in Luke's Gospel, chapters 5 and 6, Jesus conflicts uh, with the, the scribes and the Pharisees, and it just continues to mount. They accuse Him of blasphemy when he forgave the sins of the paralytic who had come to him for healing. They're like, how can you forgive someone's sins? Well, only God alone could do that, but they failed to realize that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. They also questioned why he would associate with sinners after he called Levi. And what was Levi? Do you remember? Oh, a tax collector. What in the world is this man who claims to be God hanging out with a tax collector, a sinner? And so he called Levi to be his disciple. Among all the things that upset the Pharisees, one of the biggest related to how Jesus observed, or even in their minds, violated Sabbath laws. Here in our passage this morning, 
uh, they observed Jesus and his disciples. You know what they were doing? They were walking along and, and uh, they were picking grain. They would pick up some grain and they would rub their hands to get you know, the food from it and they would, they would eat. So they're just, you know, that's a basic need of life, right? And so uh, they, they had been uh, following the Father's plan because Jesus was in tune with the Father. We know that Jesus prayed and talked to the Father often and everything he did, every step he took, every miracle that he performed, everything was according to the Father's plan. And so as they're following along this journey, um, they, they are uh, walking through a grain field and they're, they're, they're gathering this grain and they're taking it, rubbing their hands so that they could eat. And, and so, you know, according to the Pharisees, picking grain and eating it on the Sabbath was harvesting a crop and working on the Sabbath. Well, Jesus told them that they misunderstood the purpose of the Sabbath. And he claimed authority as God over the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord, and he's especially Lord over the Sabbath. And so this morning, as we focus on Jesus dealing with these religious leaders, Jesus puts the needs of a person over a religious law that was taken out of proportion by the Pharisees. And we'll see that this morning. And I pray that we remember that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is supreme. He rules and he's, he reigns. He has all authority and he is high and lifted up. He has no rival. There is none like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do we believe that this morning? I mean, he is supreme and he's Lord and he's on the throne and nobody's going to dethrone him. He is sovereign and he is in control. He has all authority. And I pray that that will encourage us today. The same God that we believe in, the same God that we ought to surrender to, the same God that we ought to love and serve. He is Lord, and He is over all. He is supreme. So let's look this morning. Uh, first of all, uh, in verses 1 through 2, I want us to see, as we think about Jesus being Lord, that our interpretation should be driven by God's Word. Now we have you know, conflict today, even among Southern Baptists, about what should drive us. Should it be the culture? Should it be the, the, the things that are of interest to the culture? Or should it be the Word of God? Listen, we ought to be driven by the Word of God. And when we're driven by the Word of God, then God's Word will take care of all issues in the culture. Do we understand that this morning? His Word is sufficient. His Word is true. I mean, you take racism. You take somebody that will respond to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and when, they, when they trust Jesus and they begin a relationship with Christ, I'm telling you, that'll take care of racism, will it not? I mean, that, that's, that's what we ought to be driven by and instead of being driven by the culture. And so I want us to see that this morning, that our interpretation should be driven by God's Word and not man's. And we see that here with the Pharisees. They had an interpretation. And, and they, you know, they, they, they felt like their interpretation was, had the same level as God's Word. And so they just continued to make laws upon laws upon laws. And they were... They, they were so focused on their laws and it wasn't even God's laws. Well, I want us to see this morning that our interpretation, we need to make sure, is driven by God's Word. So look at this with me here in, uh, in Luke chapter 6 and beginning at, uh, at verse 1. So we think about Jesus being Lord. Now it happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields. And his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing, it, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, 
why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. I pray God will help us to see that he truly is Lord. He has all authority. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that it would be your word that would teach us today through the Holy Spirit. God, touch us and help us. And I pray that, God, that we would give you everything because you are Lord and you're worthy. And I pray, God, that your will would be accomplished here today. Change lives for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week during our deacons meeting, uh, one of our deacons shared during devotion time about the importance to keep Sunday a day of rest and a time to gather for worship. Now, I realize that Sabbath was on a Saturday, according to the Jewish calendar. But on this side of the resurrection of Jesus, we as believers meet for worship on Sunday because that's the day when Jesus arose from the tomb. And so every time that we gather together for worship on Sunday, we are celebrating the Lord's victory over sin, death, and, and hell, and the grave. And, and so really, we shouldn't treat uh, Sunday just like another day. It ought to be a special day. I've often said there's no day like Sunday, no day like the Lord's day. When we gather together, we set aside time for worship and prayer, you know, time to, to meet with other believers to encourage each other and, and to support each other and to pray for each other. It ought to be a day that we gather together. And, and it, sadly, in our day and time, it's treated just like another day. But there's no day like Sunday, is there? What a blessing it is to gather like this today. Even those of you that's joining us online, what a blessing it is to take time out of your day. You know, we're all busy, but to take time to gather for worship, to worship God, to see the Lord as high and lifted up, and to see God as worthy and realize our need for God and to worship Him and to receive what God has for us. What a privilege. What a joy it is to do what we're doing this morning. May we never take it for granted. And, and so, uh, after all, as we think about setting aside a, a day for rest, uh, the Lord rested after six days of creation. Now, why did God do that? Did it wear God out? I want you to know that God is perfect. He's holy and righteous, and everything He does is perfect. And nothing ever wears God out, because He is always perfect all the time. Perfect strength, perfect wisdom. That is our God. And it wasn't that God needed the rest, but it was for us to see the example of, of how we need that day of rest. And so as Jesus and his disciples were traveling to their next destination according to the Father's plan, they came across some grains of field that I had already shared about. And according to the law of Moses, it was permissible for travelers to help themselves to what was growing in the fields. And, uh, and that's in Deuteronomy 23 verses 24 and 25 according to the law what they were doing was permissible it wasn't that they were you know going through someone's land and stealing no that was permissible according to the law and so Luke pointed out that they plucked the heads of grain and they ate them rubbing them in their hands and you know Luke included that because he was emphasizing that they were simply trying to get something to eat they were not disregarding the law as religious leaders had accused them of. They just simply were hungry and they just needed to eat. And on any other day of the week, no one would have even given it a second thought. But, after all, it was the Sabbath. So the Pharisees, who held an ultra-strict interpretation of, of the Sabbath, to, to, to say the least, um, they, they took issue with, with what they were doing. 
especially since it involved Jesus, whom they constantly tried to discredit. They didn't believe Jesus. They, they, they hated Jesus. They, they wanted him killed. And they, they picked up stones at times to, to kill him. And, and they, they did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. And so they rejected him. That's what it was all about. It wasn't really about the, Pharisees, about, about the disciples. It was about Jesus. The problem was they saw their added laws of tradition as equal in God's authority and in God's law. They, they, so they added to it. According to Jewish tradition, listen to this, uh, there were some 39 activities that were forbidden on the Sabbath to ensure that no one would break the Sabbath. These were not from God, but from the Pharisees, the religious leaders. They added to it some 39 laws. For instance, you know, you had to count your steps, and if you, took, if you exceeded those steps, then you worked, and so you worked on the Sabbath, which is against the law. Well, that didn't break God's law. That broke their law. And so they were adding to it. You know, the problem with the modern church today um, is that we add to God's Word, don't we? I know what God's Word says, but... And so here's what we do, and here's what we think, and we begin to add to it. And then what we do is how we feel and think. We put it on the same level as the authority of God's Word. You know, some people have said that, you know, um, God's Word said is it, says it, that settles it, and I believe it. Well, listen, folks, it's settled whether we believe it or not. It's God's Word. His Word is the authority. That's what needs to drive us is the Word of God, not our interpretation and, and what we feel and think or how we can add to it, which is really what the Pharisees were doing. They were adding to it. There's a lot of things that could be said about what, how we add to things and traditions. And that's really what the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes were doing. Their traditions, they were adding to it. There's some things today that sidetracked us a lot. And I'm not saying that they're bad things, but things that we do out of tradition and things that's not necessarily the Word of God. But we need to make sure that we're being driven by the Word of God. So Jesus and his disciples, they're just needing to eat. The Pharisee says, uh-uh, you're rubbing your hands together. You're harvesting a crop on the Sabbath. Probably broke two or three of their 39 additional laws that they added to the, 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 uh, the Sabbath law. They viewed what they were doing as not lawful, and they called them out. And again, it, they were attacking Jesus is what it was all about. So what about us? You know, think about this, folks. What about us? Are we? Can we say that we are driven by, that we are led by the Word of God. How I feel and think. Is it true to God's Word? I need to make sure of that. You see, the, the Pharisees were guilty of adding to God's Word. And they loved that power. And they would, they would flex that power. You, you remember the man that was born blind? They go to his parents. You know, Jesus healed him. And, and, uh, and, and, and they're like, you know, you say that he was born blind. You know, they were trying to discredit and so what did the parents do? They're like, well, we know that he was born blind, but he's of age, so go ask him. Why did they do that? Because they knew the Pharisees had the right to kick them out of the, out of the temple, out of, out of the synagogue. And so they were fearful about that because of the power of the Pharisees. And so they indeed went to the man that was born blind, and he's like, you know, say what you want. Say he's a sinner. Say, say he's got a demon. Say what you want to say about Jesus, but this is what I know. I was once blind, but now I see. <laughs> Praise God. And he just told the facts about what Jesus had done for him. Well, guess what happened to the man that was born blind? Because it was a fact that Jesus changed him. He was no longer the same. And then ultimately, he placed his faith in Jesus as Jesus went to him. 
But what happened was they kicked him out of the synagogue. Well, they might have kicked him out of the, the place of worship, but Jesus still went to him, praise God. And they loved that power. And so, you know, they, they tried to influence and they tried to bully, if you will. They tried to flex their muscle. And, and here, you know, Jesus constantly, uh, you know, reminded them of, of, of things that, that was counter to what they believed. And so they hated Jesus for that. So they were attacking Jesus. But I want us to learn from this this morning that we need to make sure that our interpretation is driven by the Word of God, not by the traditions of man, not by this world. The world, a lot of times, will influence us, but the Bible says that we don't need to be, uh, we don't need to conform to this world. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But that, that's what God does. And that happened, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word. I can't emphasize enough the importance of God's Word. God speaks through His Word. And we're always in the truth when we're uh, letting God's Word drive us and influence us. So second of all, look at verses 3 through 5. We, we always remember that Jesus has all authority. And Jesus is Lord. You know, the Pharisees thought that they understood the Sabbath laws. But really, they only understood their own interpretation of what the laws meant. But the Son of God knew exactly what the Father intended. <laughs> I mean, he knew the law. The Pharisees thought, hey, we know the law and we're so smart that we've added to it. But God certainly uh, had, had an intention when he wrote the law. And Jesus knew the law because he's God. Well, they didn't believe any of that. But let's look at this here in verses 3 through 5. We've got to move quickly. Uh, but Jesus answering them said, Have you not even read this, what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread, and also gave some to those with him, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he said to them, The Son of Man is also, here it is, Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus used an example from David's life back in 1 Samuel chapter 21 when David was running for his life from Saul. He sought help from the priest named Ahimelech who helped David and his men with food, basic need. They were hungry. David was on the run. Saul was crazy, jealous of David. He was trying to kill him. And so they needed food. And so, you know, the priest, Ahimelech, helped David out. The only food that he had to offer was the showbread that was changed out in the tabernacle every Sabbath day. And so the bread was, the, was for the priest only, which was technically a violation, and the Pharisees definitely understood technicalities. What in the world is this priest doing, given this showbread that was changed out every Sabbath day in the, in the tabernacle, and it was only for the priest to eat. Well, what was he doing giving it to David and especially to David's men? We know that David was anointed of God, so maybe you could make a case that it was okay for David, but what about his men? So technically, that was a violation. You see what Jesus is doing? He was telling the Pharisees that they were, if they were going to condemn Jesus and his disciples for just eating grain on the Sabbath, that they also need to condemn David which was something that no, not even God did. And so Ahimelech's actions were merciful, and he chose to help David and his men rather than get caught up with rules and regulations and, and technicalities. You see, the priest acted as he believed God would act. He showed compassion. 
and he demonstrated respect for the intent of the law. Also, the fact that Jesus brought this up meant that the priest was right in what he did. Wait a minute, I thought the showbread was only for the priest. Yeah, but there's a man in need. And there's, there's men that are in need. They're hungry. So we're just going to say, you remember what James said? You know, if, if you know somebody that's hungry and naked and you just put your arm around them and say, God bless you, go your way. That's not how we're to treat each other. Man, we're to show mercy. And that's what the, the priest did. He showed mercy. He acted in a way that he, he knew God would act. He showed compassion and demonstrated respect for the intent of the law. Rules and tradition have their place and should be honored, but never should get in the way of doing what's right. I think we would all agree that David being hungry, his men being hungry, is, is a basic need. And if a rule and regulation or a tradition keeps us from truly showing mercy and helping someone, then, then what good is it? If David was freed from the legal restrictions, then Jesus certainly had the power to act as he did to allow his disciples to meet the basic need of life. And so in verse 5 reveals what it's all about. Here's what I'm getting to. Jesus, as the Son of Man, had all authority over the Sabbath and its laws. Why? Because he's God. Jesus is Lord. Son of Man was a title that was carried and it had special authority as well as a claim to deity. In other words, when, when uh, Jesus is referred to as a son of, of man, it carries with it the idea that he's God. All authority. He has all authority and, and he's God. Jesus was God. He's still God today. He's on the throne. Jesus is Lord. Because Jesus is God, he's equal to God in every way, he's also Lord of the Sabbath and has all authority to interpret the law correctly even if that interpretation is contrary to the traditions and man-made laws of the Pharisees. You see, Jesus did not was not guilty of breaking the law of, of the Sabbath. Jesus was only guilty of breaking the laws of what the Pharisees had made up and their traditions. And, and what Jesus is telling them here Notice this once again in, uh, in verse 5. And he said to them, The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And so Jesus is revealing to them that as God, the Son of Man, that he had all authority, especially authority he was Lord over, Sabbath, over the Sabbath. Think of how different our lives would be Today, even right now, if we'd live, if we'd live each day in obedience to God's word, with the awareness that the God of this word is Lord, He is supreme. He is over all. He's on the throne. And folks, I want to remind us that the God of this Bible has the final word. There's those that mock. There's skeptics those that don't believe the Word of God, let them say what they want. Let them criticize. Let them mock believers. But I'm telling you, Jesus is Lord. And when it's all said and done, He will still be on the throne and Christ will still be Lord. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. And so Jesus is reminding the Pharisees 
of that. And the same God that you and I believe in, he has all authority. Why did, why did Annie Armstrong do what she did? Because her God is Lord and he's worthy. Why do we gather on Sunday? Well, because Jesus is Lord. He's on the throne. He's worthy. That's why we gather. If there's any other reason that we gather, if we're, if we're just gathering to be seen or social reasons, I'm not saying that necessarily that that's, that's a bad, it's always good to come to church. But I'm telling you, the reason we gather, the reason that we do what we do is because Jesus is Lord. The reason that we obey God, maybe there's changes, there should be changes in our lives as we grow in Christ. Maybe I handled things differently five years ago than I handled it today. Why do I handle it differently? Why do I have some self-control? Why do I have you know, love and, and meekness and kindness that maybe I once didn't have? It's because Jesus is real and he's changing us from the inside out and everything that we do is to the God who's worthy. Why do we tithe? You know, why do we sing in the choir? Why do we volunteer on Wednesday night to serve youth and kids? Why, why, do, we, why do we go to Mobile, Alabama in, in, in June to, to go with our students? You know, why do we volunteer for Mission Week? Why do we volunteer in just a few weeks? Um, the, the April 24th, Doug's going to have an organizational VBS meeting. Well, why do we do that? I mean, my goodness, it's July 5th through the 8th. You know, what pastor is crazy enough to try to have VBS uh, July 4th week? Here I am. <laughs> I, we have found that that's a good week. That's a week nobody else is crazy enough to try. But guess what? There are still people, there are still kids that is in town that not everybody goes out of town on vacation during July 4th week. But why do we do that? Why, why, do, we, why do we come and why do we spend extra time setting up props? And why do we get uh, lessons and spend time with lessons and, and why do we plan crafts and games and, and snacks and why do, we, why do we learn motions to songs and why do we do all of that? Because Jesus is Lord. He's worthy. He's what it's all about. And, and so He is Lord. He's Lord of, of the Sabbath. Well, why is it that we keep Sunday as a special day of rest? Because Jesus is Lord. And so, I, you know, I know that there are those that, that they're required to work and the way that it is and I'm not I'm not I'm not talking about that you know you have a job and that's you're required to that that's one thing but it's when you don't have to you know it's it's those it's, it's those it's those times when uh, we choose uh, to do other things instead of doing what the principles of God's Word is keeping Sunday as a special day for the Lord as a day of rest time to gather with family we, we need that don't we man I remember I remember, uh, you know, um, it used to be different when I was a kid. Not every restaurant was open on Sunday. Remember the blue laws and that kind of stuff? Well, those things don't exist anymore. But I remember going to Grandma's. We'd go to church, and, of course, one of the bad things, I, memories I have of Grandma's is, is um, that, that's where we'd get the spanking we were promised we'd get if we cut up in church. And uh, there was a guy, uh, he would always make eye contact with me, Wayne and Lisa, and he'd start doing his eyebrows and, and we'd get so tickled and laugh, and, and Dad would look at us like, man, we knew. We knew. We'd, we'd just bow our heads. And, and I often wondered, you know, why did that man do that? Did he not see my dad look at us? Did he not know what was coming to us? And we'd go to Grandma's, and the first item of business was to get the spankings out of the way that, that took place in church. There was a lady, and she's like, like an opera singer. And, and she would sing and solos, and, and uh, it's, like, it's like, you know, don't look at Wayne and Lisa because if we make eye contact, this is a serious moment, we're going to lose it. And it'd be, 
you know, and, and she, we'd get, and all of a sudden, I there with that arm would pinch, you know, would, and we knew what was coming. But I remember going to church on Sunday and then going to Grandma's. I'm talking about fried chicken and green beans and mashed taters and gravy and, and, uh, I'm, I'm, and, uh, and homemade uh, lemon meringue pie. And, and uh, y'all have had, many of y'all have had my mom's homemade banana pudding. She learned that from my grandmother. Man, that's what we'd have, Sunday dinner. Boy, don't we need that today? We're so busy today. Sunday's just another day, but I'm telling you, I believe it's a, it's a scheme of the devil to make us so busy that we don't have time for God anymore. Oh, how we need the Lord. And we need to remember, He's Lord of the Sabbath, and He's Lord of all. Everything that we do ought to be because He's worthy, and He's on the throne. And by the way, I remind you that He's going to have the final word. We need to surrender, give everything to Him. And so last thing I want us to see quickly, our time is gone, but I want us to see in verses 6 through 11, God's word should lead us to do good. Notice this, after the confrontation in the grain field, Jesus continued to do God the Father's will, which led to another battle with the Pharisees, guess what, on the Sabbath. Look at this with me in verses 6 through 7. Now it happened on another Sabbath also, that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation with him. So Jesus entered the synagogue. He was teaching. That there's a man with a withered hand. And what a shame that the Pharisees, they weren't watching to see what good might happen to this man that had this withered hand. They weren't concerned about that. They weren't concerned about the mercy that this man needed and the help that this man needed. They were watching for the intent to see if Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. But remember, Jesus is Lord. He rules and reigns, even is Lord over the Sabbath. And as God, He knows everything, including the thoughts of the Pharisees. So follow along here with me in verses 8 through 11. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy? Verse 10. When he had looked around them all, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do with Jesus. It was a simple question that revealed Jesus' intention to do good, especially on the Sabbath, which is exactly what he did. Jesus healed the man and made him whole, his hand whole, just as the other hand. Once again, Jesus is Lord. As the great creator, he took the man's withered hand and he restored it. What a great day for this man because Jesus had mercy on him and did a good work. Jesus said, what, what, you know, what, what's lawful, to do a good work or an evil work? Well, sadly, the Pharisees could only think of their laws and their traditions. How dare him? He, he, he knows our added laws and everything, and he has no regard and no respect for us. They made it about them. And all they could think about was their rage that Jesus was not doing what they thought that he could do or he should do. Instead of rejoicing for the man who had a good thing, I think we'd all agree, is a good thing this man was changed. It says that they were filled with rage and disgust. What, they, what are we going to do with Jesus? 
my goodness, he's doing a good work. He's healing a man. On the Sabbath of all days, what are we going to do with him? So Jesus going around and, and, and doing good on the Sabbath was a major problem to them because, again, they wanted control. They wanted Jesus to do what they thought he should do. They wanted to impose their interpretations and interpretations of the laws, only yet Jesus wouldn't comply. So, you know, why should Jesus comply? He's God, right? Instead, they should have complied with Jesus because unlike them, Jesus is Lord. Jesus has all authority, including authority over the Sabbath, which led him to do a good work, which was according to the Father's plan. Here's, here's, here's my whole point here in verses, uh, these final verses, verses 6 through 11. Our, uh, God's word should lead us to do good. Not to point at somebody and say, this is what the Bible says, you know, and we're condemning them. Only God is the, is the one that has the rightful place to condemn. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. I do believe that we as believers need to hold each other accountable. And how do we do that? Jesus said we'll be known by our fruits. We need to be fruit inspectors, right? So, so don't be so quick to say, don't judge me. But when we talk about judging, the idea is condemning. None of us stand so high that we have the ability or the right to condemn someone and here are the Pharisees they, they got it all wrong you know they, they took God's word and, and, and they didn't use it to do good if, if I as a believer in Christ and I say I believe the Lord I believe his word if it leads me to treat people mean and unkind then, then I, I, I need a new interpretation because God's word should lead us to do good, unlike the Pharisees, as uh, you know, are are the religious practices that 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 in our lives that we need to evaluate in light of what we looked at this morning. Are there some things in our lives that that need evaluation? Do I need to look at it and say, you know what, I, I've not I've not been kind. I've not done a whole lot of good. And maybe it's just sharing what Jesus is doing in your life. Friend Day coming up on the 10th. Let's really reach out and let's pray. Let's bring our friends to church. That's a good, let's do a good work. We say we believe the Bible, but yet we don't ever share the good news. We never talk about Jesus. In a whole year, there's a, there's, there, you know, the average church member will let a whole year go by and they're not responsible for bringing anybody to church. I'm just telling you, I, think, I, I just think there's a better way. Let's, let's, let's do good. Let's, let's care about others and, and, uh, and let's reach out to them and pray for them and let them know that you're praying for them. Build that relationship with them. You know, when you think of prayer and fasting and reading God's Word, coming to church, all of these things, these are disciplines that are good. But do we do them from our hearts? And does all of that lead us to share love with others and to do good for others? I just wonder this morning, is there someone that God has placed on your heart? If so, let's do good. Let's reach out to them. Because we might be the only one that will, that will do any good in their life. God wants to use us. So I encourage us this morning. I'm asking our musicians if they'll come. First of all, I, I want to remind you that Jesus is Lord. He's the reason we do what we do. He's on the throne. And just as Jesus did good to others, we ought to do good to others 
because of Jesus, because he's worthy. And maybe there's something that we're holding on to that we need to let go of. Remember, Jesus is Lord. He's over all and he's worthy. Let's let go of it this morning. Let's leave this place changed and have freedom and victory and joy in our lives as we desire God and what's good and what's right. Heavenly Father, Lord, have your way and will this morning. May you be glorified. Help us, Lord, as you're speaking. Maybe you're laying someone on someone's heart this morning. Help us to listen and help us, God, to not only listen but obey. And, Lord, to let you lead us. Maybe there's something we need to let go of. Help us to remember that you're Lord. You're on the throne. May we surrender and love and serve you this morning. Have your way and will again, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together? As Donna leads us this morning, let's come this morning. Let's pray this morning. Whatever God's leading us to do. Would you come? Think about it this morning. Wouldn't it be great for that friend in your life that maybe God has laid on your heart? Wouldn't it be great for them to sing what we just sang? I need you, Lord. I need you every hour because that's right and that is true. They do need the Lord. And God can use us to help them see that. So let's pray for them right now. During this time of, of invitation, let's pray for them. And I pray that we'll look for opportunities to reach out to them and invite them and encourage them. Would you lift them up to the Lord right now as our musicians continue to pray? Maybe there's somebody that instead of doing good for, maybe you've done bad. Maybe God's leading you to confess that and ask forgiveness. Maybe there's a phone call or a text that needs to be made today because of that. Life's too short to hang on to stuff like that. Let's live in freedom and victory today. Reach out to them. Let it go. Thank you so much for uh, being here this morning. I pray your heart's been touched and you've been encouraged today. Uh, what a great day. Uh, I'm so thankful for each of you being here, those of you joining us online. I hope you'll be back this evening. Um, I, I want to preach to you tonight about how God keeps his promises. 
You know, we might break promises. We've done it maybe not intentionally, but there's times we do that. We're, you know, we're flawed. You know, we fall short. Sometimes we just forget. But God always keeps his promises. So I hope you'll come back tonight and be encouraged by that. Hope you have a wonderful afternoon. And uh, Donna, if you will, uh, if you'll dismiss us. God bless. Yeah.